Hello, welcome to the Lean of Plants podcast. My name is Chelsea, and if you are struggling to lose weight on a plant-based diet, then this podcast is for you. While there are thousands of books, podcasts, and resources about the benefits of a plant-based diet, the reality is that being vegan does not guarantee losing weight. If you are feeling frustrated and confused about where to start, or you know exactly what you should be doing, but you just can't seem to rustle up enough willpower to do it, then keep listening. In this podcast, you'll learn the truth about plant-based weight loss, but just as importantly, how to use proven methods of behavioral change to turn what you know into lifelong habits that lead to getting and staying lean. Can't wait to get started. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to the Lean of Plants podcast. We're going to talk about weight gain today. We're going to talk about how to stay consistent enough so that you stop the creep, how to pull back your habits when they start to slip. And this is going to be helpful for people at two different parts of their journey. The first one is for anyone who is on a weight loss journey. Anyone who is looking for having pauses or very, very slight amounts of weight gain. I'm going to say more of a pause, right? A pause in your journey where you don't gain all the weight back when your habits start to slip and you know how to pull pull things back into alignment with the goals that you set for yourself. That's the first group. The second group of people who are looking to more maintain their weight or they're very close to the end of their journey and they're they're thinking about this in terms of long-term strategy because I would consider weight maintenance within a five pound, maybe seven pound at tops ratio where you're you're able to sit in in a range that you like um, and you can do that consistently. Weight maintenance does not mean that you are 100% the exact same way every single day because our external and our internal environments and our systems are always changing and shifting. No one has a completely static environment. Mine is definitely not. It is very dynamic. For example, I just got back from the States. Uh, I was there last year as well and I actually gained weight on that three-month trip. On this five-week trip, I actually lost a bit of weight. So I want to talk about what my response to weight gain is, how I deal with that, how I interpret it. I want to give you two key tools or mindsets, should I say, mantras, frameworks is probably the best word. Two frameworks for how to interpret and know what to do when you experience weight gain or even weight loss. Uh, I'm going to show you how to, how I used to think about weight gain um, and how I think about it now. And I'm going to share this through the lens of my own personal journey in the fact that since being home, kind of crazy, but I've gained a little bit of weight. So let's get into the episode. A little bit of background on this is that when I was in America for my trip over the last couple of months, so I was there for five weeks, I spent a lot of time skating, I spent a lot of time walking, I had access again, which I do not hear, but I had access to cherry tomatoes, snap peas, baby carrots, like all of my favorite produce because it's readily available there and so I was eating a lot of microwave potatoes with hummus and the aforementioned vegetables. So I was eating really, really healthy. 
apart from a few treats here and there, which I definitely do when I'm traveling, like I'm not 100% consistent, I kind of do, or I try to do fairly consistent, like breakfast and then lunches, and I eat a lot of vegetables during the day, potatoes, and then I'll normally have something a little bit more decadent at night, or I might eat out, or I might have a donut occasionally. It just really depends on like what my goals are and how I'm feeling. This trip in particular, because of how much movement I did, and by... And also by the added factor that I have been on some medication that has caused me to have less of an appetite, I actually lost a little bit of weight. So I came back from that trip tanned and lean, leaner than I would normally be, stronger than I would have normally been. And I was feeling flipping fantastic. Like I got home from my trip and I was like, like, okay, look at me, look at me. Like I'm not really, but I, I felt like pretty darn good. And I, I bought some corduroy pants, which I like, I am obsessed with and I wear them every single day and I hate jeans. And normally in winter I wear track pants because I, I just hate the feeling of anything like tight and cold. And, and I bought these corduroy pants and I've been just like really feeling myself with these corduroy pants and being lean. And anyway, what happened when I got home, there's two main things. The first one was I had decided while I was overseas that I was feeling really good mentally and I was in a place where I wanted to like stop taking the medication that I was taking. I felt like that was the right choice. There was nothing negative about coming off that. There's no like side effects or anything like that. It's very, very mild, but it was really helpful for me when I needed it a few months ago. So by the time I got home, the effects of that had started to wear off and I found myself a lot more hungry. And it wasn't even that in when I wanted to go and eat a meal, I would eat more, although I, I did. It was more that I was looking for food between meals, that I was thinking about food. I was thinking about what I could snack on or what else I could add to my lunch, having something for dessert afterwards, whereas before I hadn't been thinking about food in that way. It had been much more like utilitarian. It had it, it had been very much fuel-based and obviously like some enjoyment in there as well, but I just simply wasn't as hungry and I wasn't thinking about it. Funny kind of side note, I was talking to someone on Instagram the other day and we we're talking about their goals and I was just asking the question like, hey, so so what are your goals? What are you wanting to achieve? And they felt a bit conflicted because they wanted to have, they wanted to never wanted food to be just fuel. They wanted to enjoy what they were doing, but they also wanted to lose weight. And they didn't think that those two things were possible. So I, I posed this question because I believe they are. I was like, well, you know what? If you could change your behavior, if you could change your habits. So at some point, like this food that at the moment feels like it's just fuel was actually delicious and enjoyable. And you had the body that you wanted and the lifestyle and, and the the future that you wanted, would that be worth it to you? And she wasn't, she wasn't sure. But it was kind of funny. The reason I wanted to say that as a side note was, honestly, that feeling of having food be fuel was so liberating and it's it's inspiring to think about that that people who really do get consistent with their habits long term they they have a different view on food they do see it as enjoyable but they also put it in its place where there is a lot of fuel-based thinking it's not the focus of their lives and it's actually a really really enjoyable feeling when you're there I've been there a few times in my life um, and it's awesome so don't knock it until you try it Back to the fact that I gained a bit of weight since coming home. And I want to preface this or come back and say it's not a lot. It's really within like a couple of pounds. I would say like two, it's a bit more than that, probably like three pounds. And 
it's not something that other people would notice, but I definitely do. I don't feel as good. I don't, uh, I just like feeling a little bit leaner. It's a, it's a very, very small, slight difference that no one else would notice. It makes a world of difference to how I feel, weirdly enough. So there's that. So not only did my appetite increase, I was also moving a ton less. I came back to winter. I came back to a lot of rain. Uh, I would love the ability to go to the skate park every day. I cannot, I, I just can't do that here because it rains so often that, and you can't skate when the ground is wet. You can't, um, you can't do that. I haven't been going to the gym. I haven't been walking much. I've, I'm kind of sedentary and I, I got really focused on getting back into work and, and picking up where I'd left off when I left. And so my movement and my calorie burn went way, way, way down over the course of the couple of weeks that I, or probably the month that I've been home. Not only that, because over the past few months, my appetite has been less, it's allowed my habits to slip more because I haven't had to rely on eating more low calorie dense foods to keep me from overeating on calories. So I've been eating higher calorie dense foods and I've had that as my habit. So when you combine a, a higher calorie dense kind of lifestyle, like having more toast and cookies at night and like snacks and things like this, if you combine that with more hunger and less movement, you've got a recipe for eating more calories and burning less, which is a recipe for weight gain. But here's the really key part of this is I... I understand what's going on and I know what's happened in my body and so I'm able to interpret this through a data-driven lens as opposed to an emotional one. And that's not to say that there has not been nights where I've lain in bed and this has definitely happened <laughs> where I've I've really had to fight that voice in my head that goes Chelsea you're a failure. Like you were you were just like tip-top condition when you came home and you just blew it. Like that voice is there. But I the cool thing is that I have the choice to go do I want to believe you? Does that thought process serve me? Or to actually talk back to myself. I'm talking physically, out loud, mumbling to myself or in my brain, like speaking back to that thought and saying, hey, like th that's not a mindset that serves me. This is what I know to be true. So the, the two things that empower me that when this happens, because it's not just if, it's when. For me, I do gain and lose weight occasionally because like I said, my, my lifestyle is just not static. So when that happens, the first and most important thing is that I know why. I know why I gained weight. So it's informative to me rather than destructive so that I can lie in bed at 9 p.m. and I know that I've got more fat on me and I can see it and I don't feel as lean and I don't feel as good. And I can actually say to myself, Charles, this does not mean that you're a failure. This is a predictable response to a change in your internal and external environment. You have more calories coming in, predictable, and change of environment, you have less calories coming out, predictable, change in environment. This does not mean that you are somehow less worthy because this happened. This is physics. This is not morals or values or anything that you've done wrong. So I'm able to t almost talk myself off the, the ledge and it doesn't freak me out in the same way because I'm able to make informed choices about what I do next. The second piece of this that is super important is I know how to change it fast. I can look 
and I can make an educated, empowered, rational judgment of my current situation, I can see the trajectory where I go, hey, you know what, if I don't check this, this can continue on. If I'm not proactive, then I I can. I'm not immune to gaining 40 pounds back. Like that can happen to anyone and it does every single day. But I'm empowered to know how to change it. So we've got two key elements there. You've got informed clarity about the why. It's not mystical. It's not magical. And then I've got informed clarity about how to remedy and fix it. So the two key elements of this is empowered knowledge and empowered action. And you need both of them in order to be successful, not just in maintaining or checking back your habits whenever there's weight gain, but also understanding how weight loss works and to continue to build these habits around sustainable systems that keep the weight off or keep you losing until you get to your goal. And I think this is so important to understand how vital these two elements are, knowledge and action. And to understand that when we don't have one of them or we have we don't know what path to take because we don't have clarity then we feel really stressed and hopeless and i heard this i heard this in a talk that i went to the other day it was actually when i was in america i went to a conference and one of the speakers was sharing that when we have when we when we have a goal in mind or we have an outcome that we want to achieve and there's so many different paths to get there like imagine that there you, you're sitting and there's just this maze and all there's all these choices that you could make that's actually really stressful because you know that there's a way to get to the finish line you just don't know which one to pick so it's overwhelming it's stressful it's it's uncomfortable that you don't know where you should actually be moving forward that's stress. So whenever you feel a sense of stress, it's normally because you have a lot of options and you don't know which one to pick. Contrast that with hopelessness. So hopelessness is where you have a goal in mind, you know where you want to go and you have no way of getting there. You don't see a single road that leads there. So stress is where you see a lot of roads and you don't know what to pick. Hopelessness is when there's no roads. And I really felt this the other day because for me, I don't feel hopelessness a lot of the time. I would say that that is not something that is, it's not a common feeling to me. I almost always, my brain goes to problem solving mode. So I, I don't have a lot of issue in generating millions and millions of ideas. I, so <laughs> hence why I'm much more likely to have a panic attack than be like really, really sad. Um, I do get really sad or hopeless, I should say. The other day I was freaking out because I have a problem that I've been working on for a few months now and it's it's a data collection problem it's a spreadsheets and it's trying to figure out uh, like numbers and all of this historical data and oh it's a nightmare and it's boring and it's confusing and I thought that I'd gotten to the bottom of a lot of it and then I realized there's holes in it and there's things that are missing and it's incredibly complex because there isn't a single source of truth and uh, it's it's a mess. It's a real, real mess. And anyway, it was a Sunday afternoon. It might have been a Saturday. And I had already, I've been spending so much time with this. I found the holes and I was like, I just lost it. And I was swearing and I was frustrated. And I was like, it's never gonna effing work like this. Blah, blah, blah. Poor me. Like very, very victimized. Like really having a spaz. Not something that a responsible adult human should be doing don't want to shoot on myself but let's be honest and it 
in reflection, I'm like, man, it's because I was hopeless. It's because I had exhausted so many paths that I couldn't see another one. And that's how I felt in that moment was really, really hopeless. So the cool thing about understanding this, though, is that if you are feeling stressed, then you know that there are options. It's really just about taking one of them. We'll talk about how to know which one to take in a second. I think this is really important. But then if you're hopeless, really the fix for that is just allowing yourself to generate any kind of ideas because it's not about finding the right right action. It's about having a path. It's about having a next step. And so that's what really empowered change looks like is much, much less about knowing what the right path is in that analogy or like having to have the right one. So hopelessness is like you don't see any. It's really just having a step. And that's the really cool thing about where I feel like I am now and the reason that I can maintain my weight loss for like four or five years after losing 40 pounds within a five pound range. Like that's huge. Like that's amazing. And it's, it's literally just because I know what to take in terms of steps whenever that happens. So before we move forward into the practical, let's get really, really clear on the knowledge piece and why so that we can make informed and empowered choices. So like I said before, when I was lying in bed and I was thinking about like, oh, I feel like a failure, like I squandered this beautiful moment of time where I came back like tanned and lean. When I was thinking that, not helpful, I was able to remind myself that weight gain and loss is just a predictable response to more or less calories. It is not magical. And I won't go deep into this because I've covered it in so many podcasts and I can link it if you want to know. But essentially, all weight gain is, all weight loss is, is if you have more calories than you need, your body's going to store them as, as fat cells. Fat cells are just the rainy day fund. It's the investment it's the retirement fund it's looking at what could be happening like the zombie apocalypse in the next few years and going hey you know what there's uh, i got more energy than i need let's put it somewhere let's store it away that's weight gain that's all it is more calories than you need equals weight gain your body's not burning it it's going to store it weight loss is the inverse of that you have less calories than your body needs your body is going hey like i need to get some of those rainy day funds i need to dip into the trust fund i need to um, dip into my retirement because I'm not going to survive otherwise. Like that's what your body is doing. And so it's just a predictable response to a change in calories. Now here's the way to interpret this. That calories in, calories out, are going to be mostly influenced or entirely influenced by an internal or an external change in our environment and our behavior. Because our environment is what shapes our behavior and our actions more than anything else. What happened when I came back and I gained weight? My environment shifted. I went from not having or having access to a lot of produce and things that I would normally be eating while I was there to having a completely different system. I went from a lot of movement environment, an environment where I was forced to move, well, that was fun, that was just part of what I was doing, to an environment where I'm not. It's not, it wasn't something that was natural to do in this current environment. So changes in our environment, whether that is internal or external, so an internal environment could be something like death of a family member, um, stresses, uh, dealing with difficult 
like kept parenting things or marriage problems or health problems like it could be literally anything like changes in mood changes in the weather whatever internal and external changes in whatever's happening within our world that is going to influence our behavior and it's going to predictably influence the amount of calories that we either consume or burn and I really like the way that this allows me to think about my own behavior because it, it makes it much less personal. It makes it much more pragmatic where I go, okay, so if it's raining, the ground gets wet. Duh. Right? The, the ground is not going to go, oh, poor me. Like, what a, what a failure I am. I got wet when it rained. Oh, my gosh. Like, failure. Fail. Dumb me. What an idiot. Why did you do that? You just need more willpower. Of course, the ground's not going to do that. When it rains, you get wet. The ground gets wet, okay? It's what happens. So it's a similar kind of thing where you where you allow yourself to view this because this is the truth. Like, this is reality. It's just predictable changes. So if you allow yourself to view it that way, you take your emotion out of it, you take your failure out of it, and you actually get to the real issues, you actually start to see this in terms of system changes that you need to make that are going to influence and change your behavior and your environment. So your interpretation is knowledge and empowered clarity about what has changed as opposed to just reactive emotion. And so the way to interpret that and what to do in those situations is to look to change your current environment, either internally or externally. And most of the time you want to do both because anything that you change externally is also going to change things internally. Normally when you change things internally, you have to change things externally as well for it to actually stick. And I really want to drill this in and I, I, I've said it so many times and I, I always have this fear that it's not going to come across, which is why I want to use a lot of analogies like stupid ones. I keep getting the ground wet, but I'm, I'm going to use another story from the other day when I was at the shops and I was buying water bottles for my children and they have had water bottles in the past that had their camelbacks and I don't I don't mind them they're pretty good water bottles they have a straw and a a little sippy nozzle that flips up and it means that you can drink out of it with a straw the problem is they get really, really gross, really fast. Like they fill up with mold there. They're kind of gross. And then if you leave them in the sun or in front of the heat pump, then water pull it, it gets pulled up the straw and it actually leaks out the top of the bottle. My kids have also decided that they're going to chew the straw part of their bottle and like the sucky part of it. And it's it's just not good. It's not a good time. Um, I had a drink bottle like that, a water bottle, drink bottle, whatever. And I found that it was always leaking when I went on a plane because of the pressure. Long story short, my daughter Morgan lost hers. And I thought, okay, so this is a great opportunity to see what else is out there. And so I was looking at the different brands of, of bottles at the shop. And I, I wanted to get one that was going to not have the straw because it was going to be dirtier. I wanted something that it was still easy for them to drink from. And it came down to two choices. It came down to another Camelback, which is just a brand of water bottle, by the way. And it had a shoot nozzle type thing. So you you wind open this nozzle and you just tip the bottle back and you drink out of it. It's very easy to clean. 
And so the, there was the Camelback version, which is one brand, and then there was a Nike version. And the Nike design was it, it was exactly the same functionality, but the nozzle part to open it was it, it had a magnetic part to it and it was just very very easy to open and as I was trying and testing both these things I I realized and I I was thinking about what are my kids actually going to use because I I do want my children to learn to drink water I want water to be easily accessible to them it's part of the reason that we have water bottles instead of using cups we don't use cups in my family we just use water bottles because it's very easy for kids to grab and go they don't have to get out a cup fill it up with water possibly spill it get new cups all the time it's a systems thing it's an environment thing and I this the problem was that the Nike bottles were actually quite a bit more expensive than the Camelback which they're already not cheap these are not cheap water bottles and but what I realized and what I came to is that I can buy the cheaper Camelback and it's still a good quality bottle. But because of that tiny, tiny bit of friction on how it is just slightly hard to open that bottle means I don't think the kids would drink from it. Because I've known from my own experience that if I can't get into a water bottle fast, I do not drink from it. And there's a reason that I always have a straw, even though it will leak more and it is not as versatile in terms of where I take it. I just drink out of it and I won't drink out of bottles that don't have a straw, something I've learned about myself. And so what I was realizing as I was there and having this kind of mini rhema or revelation, whatever you want to call it, is that the amount of friction an environment that can shape our behavior is so incredibly small that designers at Nike went to all this effort to create this this magnetic clip, essentially, or this magnetic function in their bottle so that it was easier to drink from. Because that means that it's more likely for people to actually use their product. And I ended up buying the more expensive one because I knew that that would be more helpful for my kids' behavior. Marketers know this. Product designers know it. It's the reason that we have squeezy bottles instead of glass jars like we used to for sauce and things like condiments. Uh, It's the reason that McDonald's, do you want fries with that, means that they have like skyrocketed their profits since they built that into their checkout process or their drive-through process. Everyone who actually builds products and understands human behavior and human psychology knows that the, the less friction we have towards something, the more likely or the more our behavior is going towards the path of least resistance. You can even evidence this by how easy it is to pay with something like Apple Pay as opposed to actually getting out notes out of your wallet. If you have to get out cash you and you have to physically count out notes before you buy anything, you've got a level of friction. It's not much. Like that's the crazy thing. It's not a lot there, but it's enough to drastically influence your behavior. And so I wanted to use these analogies and and try and share some of these stories to help you understand and hopefully grasp that whenever you're trying to change your behavior, that the old way of doing things, trying to use more willpower, and I did all of this. I did it all 50 million times and then again. And I always felt like crap and that I was like this, the worst failure and fraud ever. More willpower. Just because I feel like in so much pain and I'm so motivated because I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh, I just need to change, that I think that something's going to be different. 
thinking that because I made some kind of commitment or New Year's revolution, revolution, resolution, that something was going to change this year. I just talked to one of our amazing Land of Plants clients and she was telling me that she, every year for the past however many years, like I think it was over a decade, has written in her journal that she is going to get back down to her wedding weight. And it's been years, like it's been nearly a decade that she's been trying to do that and her weight's been creeping up that entire time. And she finally said like, you know what, this is this is my year. She took action. She changed her system. She changed her environment. She joined our program. She took a risk, right? Doing anything like that is scary. It's a risk. It feels vulnerable. It's it's actually putting um, skin in the game and it's saying like, you know, I'm going to try something different. She was telling me how she knows that this year she's going to get to her that goal and that she's not going to have to worry about this. And it is not going to be on her list next year, which is amazing. But that's the way that we tend to think about things. That's the old, tired way is that we always think that, well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change something in my internal environment. Or I'm just going to willpower it into existence and now it's going to be different. But the proof that that doesn't work is that it's never worked before. Starting Monday, restriction, feeling hungry has never worked before. So there's no evidence that it will ever work again. And so when we allow ourselves and we, we understand and we grasp that systems and environments are really what change our behavior, then we actually start to look for ways of doing that. So that is the biggest point of clarity is understanding I need system changes. I've had a predictable response. It's not me as a failure, so I don't need willpower to fix it. I've had a predictable response, which is weight gain, to a predictable change in my environment. If I want a predictable result, which is weight loss, or to get back to where I was, or to keep losing, whatever stage of the journey you're at, then I need a change in my environment. Because environment is what shapes our behavior. So the new way of doing things, and this is where how to change it comes in. So this is the second part of the equation. We've got knowledge. We've got the knowledge piece now. Now we're looking at implementation. How to change it. So this is this is this is what I do. So and this is what really does truly work. So we've seen it hundreds and hundreds of times. This is backed up by everything we know about behavioral change. First one is really just recognizing that we do not have to make perfect decisions. We don't have to make the right decision. We just have to make a decision or change our, almost our, our surface area of luck, if that makes sense, our likelihood of success. And so we make decisions directionally rather than binary. So what I mean by that is we have to ask ourselves, is this a decision that is going to make, make it more likely for me to succeed or less likely for me to succeed? Is this, a, is this a decision that is allowing me to most likely move in a direction of my goal? Or is it a decision where I know I'm either going to be more likely to stay stuck or more likely to fail? And I want to give you an example of this, again, because I think examples are powerful. And so I was on, the, I was on a discovery call with someone last night, um, and I, I realized that the biggest thing that I can do for myself in terms of my own personal growth and my business and my team is to invest in people who know more than me, invest in learning from them, because then I get to skip a whole lot of this trial and error 
of whether I'm doing the right thing, um, figuring it out on my own. I can skip so much of that and I can leverage someone else's experience, not have to make those same mistakes. And that allows me to grow faster and it gets to where I want to be um, and, and jump the line essentially. So my decision making now is much more directional in terms of what I will invest in, what I will, what I will decide to do. And so I can make big decisions quite fast because I asked that question. And so last night when I was, I was talking to someone and they were, they were telling me like all about their, um, what they could do for the business. It was like a very specific problem or outcome that I'm, I'm wanting. It was training that I'm needing. It was something that I want to upskill in and upskill my team in, which is, which is super, super important to me. And I just had this thought process about whether I was going to say yes or no, or whether I was going to say I want to think about it. And I realized that no matter what, no matter the outcome, whether I got the promised result or not, if I don't say yes, if I continue doing what I'm doing and I don't make changes I am not going to move anywhere closer to where I want to be so even if I make a wrong decision which I don't believe that there is wrong decisions like I think that there's okay there are wrong decisions there definitely is but for most of what we're doing they're directional so what I, I I've given myself more more leeway or more grace to be like you know what like does this does this decision like help me to move in the right direction and I just sat there and I was like you know what? no matter what like even if this person like pulls out like a wild price in terms of investment costs I had an idea in mind of like how far I'd go but like it's important to me like I, I really do believe in investing in in people who are going to help you to move forward and putting things in place that allow you to do that and I I, I realized that like I was going to say yes within reason because no matter what, it was a better direction. Like the the likelihood that that step would move me in the in a direction that I wanted to go, it, it was much greater than if I did nothing. So I was like, you know what? That's a no brainer. I'm gonna do it. So directional decision making is the the new way for myself of how I make decisions. So rather than doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, I try things. I give things a go. I make decisions. I ask myself, not so much is this the right decision, but can this move me? Could this move me closer to where I want to be? If that feels more likely than not making a decision, I will make the decision to move forward. I also look at internal systems that force behavioral change. So internal systems are things like commitment devices. Commitment devices are like internal or external contracts that you make with yourself where there is some kind of reward or there is some kind of stake or uh, something like either positive or negative or both that is going to happen to you either socially or um, morally or like values wise like if if you don't actually change your behavior so a really good example of this would be when I was doing my 5k a day challenge and so I had this internal uh internal and external systems almost always like they always go hand in hand this is another thing that's really really important to understand and a lot of people try and change internal systems, but they don't change external. And that's why they don't see changes. They'll do something like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to get committed. I, I make a commitment to myself to be on track. And then there's no external behavior. There's no external change in a system. So they don't actually change. So the reason that that worked, I did this 5k a day challenge and we did it for 90 days, me and two other girls. And 
it was internal and external because I had external accountability. I knew and I could see that they were doing it every day. It was very satisfying and also encouraging and motivating to see them checking off those 5Ks every day. We, we followed each other on the Garmin app. We could see those miles being ticked off. And there's also that internal system of like, I don't want to be the one to let the team down. I don't want to be the one that's committed to this and then flakes out. Like these girls are doing it. They're crushing it. They're doing like 13 hour days at the hospital, driving back at night and then running on their driveway for half an hour. Like I can do, I can run in the rain. And so there was an internal and external environmental shift that allowed my behavior to change drastically. External environmental systems that force behavioral change as well. So this is all about coming back to that first question and asking, is this system, is this environment more conducive to the behavior I want to create or is it less conducive? So is cake in my environment going to be more likely for me to change or less likely? I'm going to guess less. <laughs> is having a tough conversation with my husband about what comes into our house or my mother-in-law about the food that comes in and setting boundaries, is that a decision that is going to be more likely to get me the direction that I want to go? A step, not the end goal. It's not the end game. It's just a step. Does it move me in a step, in a, a step, a step in the right direction or a direction that I think is going to help me? Or does it move me away from it to stay where I am? Like you, only you can answer those questions, but I think we all know the answer. Like they're pretty obvious. So a big part of environment is what I consider environment is accountability. It's coaching. It's having someone outside of yourself and some kind of commitment device, which is essentially what uh, accountability is where there is positive and negative effects of you not following through on behavior and then you look at how can I make my systems or how can I make whatever's happening in my environment more conducive to me taking the, the, a step in the right direction than it is difficult and what I want to do is I, I want to go through these conceptually and then I'm going to talk about what I'm personally doing the next thing I was not going to say a second, there's a few points here. There's like just bullet points. I've not put numbers. So I'm just, I'm looking at my notes. And I'm going, it's like, ah, oh, there's so many points, but it's also good. The next thing is that understanding and then recognizing that disciplined people are not more disciplined. They have more disciplined environments. So again, coming back to environments, what are the environmental shifts? How can I buy the water bottle that is easier to get into? Therefore, I drink more water. Uh, how can I set up my food environment so that I am more likely to take a step in the right direction? Is an environment where there is chocolate in the cupboard and there's no produce in the fridge, is that an, is that an environment that is more likely going to shape my behavior in the step of a positive direction in terms of my goals or a negative one? And when you think about what the what's in the pantry or what's in the the grocery trolley of someone that is healthy or a bodybuilder, you can probably picture or you start to think about what would actually be inside of their pantry. I don't know if you've ever played a game where you look in the supermarket and you see what's in people's trolleys and quite often, I'm not saying all the time, right? Okay, please hear me out on this. But quite often, what's in someone's trolley is reflected in who's pushing it. Quite often. And so what you'll see in my trolley is a ton of produce, not much packaged items. And that's kind of it. Like there'll be some pads and wet wipes and other things in there that I'm probably going to get hate for. <laughs> I do use a moon cup as well. Okay. I'm not all bad. 
And anyway, when you think about what you actually expect to see, our environments and and the way that we set things up are going to have an effect on how we live our lives. So we've got to think about those things. We've got to almost look at ourselves robotically. It's like when you think about someone who's a skateboarder, what's most likely in the trunk of their car? A skateboard ready to go. When you think about someone that surfs every day, are they more likely to live on the coast or two hours inland? Most likely they're on the coast. So we've got to look at these things on a a micro level and be like, if I want to have this kind of behavior, what is my environment going to look like? How can I shape my environment to make that possible? Someone that walks every day outside probably doesn't live in a place that rains consistently every single day or snows, right? Someone who is super, super tanned and, and swims and lays by the pool is probably not living in Canada. Maybe parts of Canada, but you get what I'm saying here. So think about things that way, right? It's a predictable response to a change in environment. So how can we change our environments? So what I'm doing, like I said, accountability is the big one for me. I've used accountability in different forms my entire weight loss journey and a lot of my my, my business, my content and my program uh, as well. And so one of the things that I like using most is commitment devices. Commitment devices are where we have a, we, we put some kind of stake in the ground and we say, in a moment when you are feeling like very strong and you have like a clear direction on what you want to do, where you want to go, this is when your goals are strongest, not your emotions, you make a decision that is going to carry your future actions to stay consistent with that. And this comes from the story of Odysseus. And so Odysseus is a, a Greek hero and he has to travel home from uh, Troy to Ithaca. If, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure. He and he has to travel and go. He goes through all these adventures and fights like um, sea serpents, and he goes and there's like cattle that are the gods' cattle, and his men eat them, and they like turn to like worms. All this like crazy, crazy weird stuff. And they go through a part in the journey home where they know that there's going to be sirens. And so sirens are like the, they're like mermaids and they sing the song that draws sailors onto the rocks and their ships are dashed. And so he knows this. He can see that this is coming up. And so he tells his men and his fleet to put wax in their ears and he ties himself to the mast so that he can't steer towards the ship. And so this is the thing. He knew that when that in change of environment happened when the siren song was strong that in that moment he was not going to be able to resist so he created a commitment device for himself which is really just a way of now I'm thinking it's Ulysses Odysseus Ulysses I feel like it's Odysseus (laughs) I don't know I feel like I really mucked this story up um either Odysseus or Ulysses but I know that Odysseus is the one that travels home from Troy I don't know where, where Ulysses comes into this. It's, that's a side note. Any kind of Greek history majors, you can you can be just rolling in your in your beds and your graves, whatever. Anyway, this it comes from this idea that you make a decision up front, and then when temptation comes, you stay consistent because you've set everything up to make it basically impossible for you to give in to temptation. So 
the ways that I've used this is I always tell people and I always release it publicly when I'm going to, when I, when I know I'm procrastinating on releasing some kind of content or a course or something where I know I need to get it out. If I've got uh, like a program that I'm like, you know, I, I really want to like perfect this program and I need to get it out there and I'm spending tons of time on it. I will say, hey, hey guys, blah, blah, blah. Look, I've got a course coming out. It's going to be released on this day. I create this public commitment device where I'm going to lose a lot of trust. I'm going to lose a lot of, uh, I, I'm going to basically make myself into a liar if I don't release it on that day. It's like if I say, hey, you know what? There's going to be a podcast on Monday, the 15th at 7 p.m. And then there's not, then that makes me look like a liar. Like I look like a fraud. So public declaration is a huge commitment device. It's probably the one that I've used most in terms of um, like a business kind of journey. But there's lots of ways that you can do this. You can also have money behind it. There's, there's actually apps that you you basically tell what your goal is and what date you want to achieve it by. And if you don't achieve it, then the app or the program is going to donate money to one of the charities that you hate, <laughs> which I think is so novel and kind of fun but you can think about how motivated someone is going to be to actually follow through if they know that money is going to come out of their account and be actually go to their worst charity something that they absolutely hate if they don't follow through on it so that's a commitment device and accountability is uh, like a another part of this it's really just having someone else there or some kind of external environment where you make a a commitment you, you join something you're in you have a coach or you have a program or you set up appointments like you you've got something that you've committed to doing every day or at some on some kind of cadence and then there's something external that forces that to happen it's not just dependent on you and that's where I think accountability is so incredibly powerful is that now there's other people involved now you've shone light on a situation and so you're not just dependent it's not just you yourself and you anymore like it's very external at that point, especially if you pay for it, honestly. Um, and so what I'm doing is because I've seen um, how I, I just know how important this is and I use it in so many different spaces in my life. And I've thought for quite a long time, you know, if there was a program like Lean of Plants that I could join, like I would join it. And I was thinking about it and I was like, you know what, my habits have slipped a bit. I, I want to especially get more into going to the gym, leaving the house even when I'm super busy because I'm, I'm going into and I have been in a super busy period. So I actually reached out to uh, the, the head coach in our program um, and I was like, hey, can you coach me? Like, can I can I get some accountability? And that, that's really what it is. It's, it's, it's habits and accountability uh, coaching. And she was like, yeah, of course, like, duh. And so that's something that I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to be like essentially going through the same thing as our clients do with our head coach, because that's what I know works. Like I know that that works and I know that just me having to like make a commitment to that. And then I've also set up some commitment devices for me because I'm, I I don't want to put a spoiler on this, but I also want to, I'd love to hear feedback if anyone has got any as well, is that I, I kind of like this idea of at some point, I've been thinking about this a lot, but creating this like insane boot camp commitment device habit building machine program that would be like hardcore people people who want to get like crazy like crazy crazy results really like do the mahi like put in the work but also build habits along the way as well not just like you not like p90x or is that what it's called 
not like anything where it's like oh or 75 hard where you you run and then you do all this exercise and you read but then you don't create habits around it like because if you want to create habits you have to do things at consistent times you have to create routines around them you have to have contingencies you have to create systems you have to create first steps so you can do a lot and you can become like really disciplined quite fast when you have like a lot of commitment devices and you have a lot of accountability and you, you're in systems that force change. But in order to maintain that, when those systems are gone, you have to know how to create habits. So anyway, that's kind of another reason that I was like, oh yeah, like why don't I, why don't I give this a go? Because I'm building in some commitment devices. So I've built things in there. Like if I don't get out a podcast or a YouTube video on certain day, days, it's going to be like money go out of my account, like things like that. Because I really believe in this stuff and I've seen the power of it. So that's what I'm doing. I'm in investing in my own accountability. Like I'm, even though this is like my own program, like I'm actually paying for it. Like I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be paying the same as what our clients pay, which is kind of, I don't know, probably seems really weird to people, but it's just, I know that this works. Um, the next thing that I want to do is I want to find more enjoyable ways to slip in exercise and movement. So the, a big part of this has been, a, again, like thinking about environmental change. So internal and external system change the problem that I'm trying to solve is that I need to get more movement so if I can make that more enjoyable is that a decision or is that a process that is going to move me closer to actually doing it and therefore having better heart health and burning more calories and being able to maintain my weight better or not if it's more enjoyable if it's more hard like which is going to be more helpful more enjoyable like duh so trying to actually get out to skate more. It's a big, that's a big one for me. Yeah, like I said, building commitment devices and making external environments more conductive to success, to success. So saying to Nick, having that conversation, like, Nick, can we please not buy ice cream for a while? Can we please, um, like, this is really what I want to do. Like, this is important to me. This is how I'm going to do things. This is when I'm going to go, um, like, work out. Because for me, a lot of it is just not wanting my, my strength to go away. Um, that's I think that's the biggest thing and so having those conversations having the conversations with people in my life um, as much as I can like making um, choices about what I buy so I've been even though things like cherry tomatoes and a lot of the produce that we have right now it's it's astronomically expensive in New Zealand like it's it's crazy how much even things like sweet potato ali kumra is $12 a kilo because of, uh, I was going to say droughts, opposite, <laughs> tons of floods. It's been raining nonstop for nearly a year. And I just, I made this decision and I realized, I was like, you know what? I'm actually going, I've got two ways to look at this. Does spending a bit more on groceries move me in the direction that I want to go? Like, is that a, a, a investment that feels like it is moving me closer to where I want to be or further away? Because a lot of the time, if I don't have like any, like produce that I actually want to eat, like tomatoes or um, like lettuce or anything like that, or broccoli, something that I can cook up easily, I'm so much more likely to go buy sushi. Like I'm so much more likely to like waste money anyway on something that I could, because I've got nothing ready to eat because it was too expensive to buy in the first place. So it's like, it's all about like thinking about, for me, I'm just like really thinking about the decisions that I make and how I can shape my environment. Um, I also ended up buying a few more like packaged like freezer meals just as bases for lunches because again I'm like I'm in a very very busy period so I can, if I can add a base and I can add a microwave potato and some other veggies and things like that then I don't have to worry so much about like cooking um, a meal with tons of flavor or, or anything like that 
I'm just because of the amount of busyness that I have, and I can share that with Nick. So those are things that I'm doing, and I I wanted to share this because I thought you'd find it helpful. And really, the biggest takeaway is to to come back to those those two things that we talked about in the very beginning, and that is, number one, is knowing why things happen, making an empowered observation. And looking at this as information, you're not a failure. You're not a failure because you gained weight. You're not a failure because you're struggling to lose it. You're not a failure because you, you gained it at some point in the past. You're not a failure because you're in a plateau. Okay? You have had some kind of predictable response. Your job now is to change the way that you are looking at this and change your environment so that you can actually change your behavior. That's what changed. That's what you got you here. Your environment, if it's changed at any point, is what changed. Your environment got you here. Your environment is going to get you out of here. So look at ways that you can systemically change that. And in my mind, accountability in some form, some kind of external drastic change that forces change on you. Like if you don't have that, I just want to ask like what, what holds you back from when, when you're not in pain, when you don't have willpower, like what is going to stop that? Because in my experience, like nothing ever did for me before. Like nothing. <laughs> I was completely like a slave to like how I felt about things in the moment. So make empowered decisions based on the real data and change your environment. All right. I'm going to leave it there. I hope that you have found this helpful and practical and um, informative. And if you're wanting help to accelerate your own results, if you've listened to any of this and you're like, you're like you know what, this is me. I'm doing the same thing over and over again. I'm wanting to eat like a bodybuilder, but my pantry is not reflecting that. My pantry is like Nigella and a chef or whatever. And you know that you need help with accountability. You know that you really need to make some kind of changes in your environment that are actually going to force your behavior to change. Then love to help you do with that. Love to invite you to see if you're a good fit for our program. We've helped hundreds and hundreds of women do this um, with accountability um, and our transformation program, which is really all about creating tiny habits that change your environment, change your, your systems and allow you to build trust with yourself so that you therefore can make more progress and then make more and more because progress is motivating. So if that sounds like something that you think is going to move you closer to a direction that you want to be rather than staying where you are, we'd love to hop on a free consult with you, um, talk about your goals, what you want to achieve and whether we can help you further. So you can look at the link in the description to find out how to do that. All right. This is goodbye and I'll see you next week again for another episode. Bye.